Jesus saying, stop being so afraid of the pain, and you let me carry you through it, because I'm trying to take you to some place where you're so much deeper in me that you trust me with the depths of your pain, and avoidance does not ca cause you to actually get victory, but facing it does. I titled tonight, Your Pain Has a Purpose. Say this with me, your pain has a purpose. My pain has a purpose. And I'm decreeing from pain to prosperity. You can turn your Bibles to the book of Job. 42 and in verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the, of, of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore... I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's read this again. Let's go back to verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. He says, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself with, and I repent in dust and in ashes. You see, until Job had a personal revelation of who God was, until he had a personal revelation of who God was, he remained stuck in self-righteousness and in pride, knowing about the Lord, but never truly knowing him, never truly walking fully in him. We can know about the Lord secondhand. We can know about the Lord, but until we've had our own personal encounter with him, until he has, he has revealed himself to us, then it's something that we still know but not really experience and walk in. It is very, very important that we go from knowing head knowledge to really understanding and knowing at a heart level. And that's what God wants for every single one of us. In Job 1.1, this is what we read, that Job was blameless and he was upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. How many of you guys remember reading this? He was, he was blameless, he was upright, he feared God and he shunned evil in the very first chapter of Job. But when adversity hit his household, it revealed what level of commitment he had to the Lord. When adversity hits, it reveals our dependency or it just reveals who we are and what we're willing to stand for and whom we're willing to stand for. When adversity hits, when we're squeezed is what we really find out what's in us. When life, pressures in life, squeeze us, difficulties come about, this is when we find out who we really are. It's when we find out if our belief, our head knowledge, our memory, memor like memorizing of the word and our are what we've been taught, it's when we find out if that truly is what we believe in a, in, at the core, like in our core. Because you know who you really are is what you believe, not even what you just speak. Because sometimes people know how to speak, but their belief is not matched up with their, with their, with their speech. 
Now, yes, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Out of the abundance. So if you really believe that God is a good God, if you really believe that these adverse situations are actually not coming from him, but coming from the, the liar, the thief, when you really believe this, then your mouth is going to speak it. But what happens a lot of times is the belief level deep down inside is not where it needs to be so people know how to speak something that's not yet really fully believed. Am I making sense? Are we following? So in the first chapter of Job, he had, there was an under, a level of understanding. There was insight, you know, and of course it says that we read that he was blameless and he was upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Job was out to prove that he was right, but Job was deceived and he was full of pride. Pressures in life will reveal what we believe and the commitment of uh, the level of our commitment. So the integrity of your faith is not revealed until you're surrounded by trials and difficulties. Why is it that so many people are so afraid and, and walk away and try to shun that which is maybe painful, but pain will reveal something in your life? So what God wants from us is for letting the pain lead us to a place of complete, truly just being humble before God and walking in such humility and dependency upon the Lord that we become so transformed and that no matter what, we know, wow, I can trust him. See, it boils down to trust. It boils down, can you, do you believe that he's a good God and that he wants you to trust him and that he is trustworthy? He truly is trustworthy even in the midst of a difficult situation or a long trial. So after a strong rebuke that Job did receive from the Lord, go to, go to Job 42, Job 42, and then verse 3, you'll see where the Lord had to rebuke him. And if Job did not have any sin in his life, then why did he need a rebuke and why did he repent? Because there was sin in his life. Because he was trying to say he was so perfect that he could never ever have had any kind of sin. And let me tell you something, that is absolutely not true. That is not of God. The minute that you think that you can have absolutely no sin ever, right there, you got to check yourself for deception because it's there. It's there. And so in verse chapter 42, verse 3, the, the Lord had to rebuke Job. And, and this is what Job said. First of all, he repented. He repented. And he said, therefore, he says, I have uttered what I did not understand Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Now listen, understand something here. He had already lost everything. He had lost his, his, his children. He had lost everything that God gave him, his, his flock. I mean, he had everything was taken from him. And at this point, he said, I have uttered what I did not understand. See, he was speaking things he didn't know. He was speaking out of his own mindset, thinking, well, this cannot be, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and I'm right. Why did this happen? I regret the day that I was born. I wished I would have never been born. Born. There is nothing wrong in my walk. I'm pure, I'm blameless. He continued to try to press in and to prove himself right. How many of you know when you're in a difficult situation, the most important thing to do is say, Lord, show me my own heart. Show me the areas of my own heart that need to be changed. Lord God, I don't want to ever think that there's no, could ever, never, be anything wrong with me, right? That I, that I could never be at fault. Lord, show me my own, my own sin. Show me my stuff. When you ask the Lord these kind, this type of a question, oh, he'll show you all right, and then you repent, right? We want to repent before, it's, before things get so, so bad. And now it, it was pretty bad for in, in Job's situation. But he did say, I have uttered what I did not understand. He said, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Pretty powerful, isn't that? 
So, at, he, at, you know, he had secondhand information. And when we have secondhand information, it keeps you distant from experiencing the true heart of our heavenly father. God wants to reveal to you that it is his goodness and that it is his mercy that really truly follow you. He wants to reveal that every good and perfect gift really truly does come down from the father of heavenly lights and that he doesn't change like a shifting shadow. And in James, it talks about this, right? And so what God wants to reveal to you is his unending love. Now we know that God does discipline. Please don't get me wrong. Especially if you're new today and you think you've never heard me preach before. Oh, I'm not saying that there's no consequences for sin. And I'm certainly not saying that God doesn't, because he's the best kind of a father, that, there, that he never disciplines his children. Oh, he does. Absolutely. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because when we're disciplined, it's because he loves us. Because only a hireling could care less about you and tells you you could do whatever you want. But a hireling doesn't love you. Jesus, our, love, our Lord, does. So therefore, oh yeah, there's, don't get me wrong. Correction when it's needed, correction will be there. And we thank God for it. We thank God for But he's just not a punisher. He's just not trying to hurt you. He's just not trying to make things terrible for you. He's not, he's, there's no joy in seeing you in pain. But there is for the enemy. The enemy loves it. He sees you and he just gloats in your misery. He's happy. Oh, because he's the thief. In John 10.10, 10, it says that he's the thief and he only has one agenda. And it's to come to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? And so people blame on God what they should be blaming on the devil. People blame on God. They blame God for things that they should be saying, devil, get behind me and get under my feet. They should be blaming the devil and taking their own responsibility and saying, well, what have I partnered with? Let me repent of that part because I don't want to help the devil, right? So, so we know that God is a good God. And so, but here, Job, this, it was so hard. It was so hard for him. It took him all these chapters before he even bowed his knee. He lost everything. He was in pain himself. He lost everything. But it finally, finally, in chapter 42 of Job, he realizes, wow, I repent, Lord. I have sinned, Lord. Isn't, is that's not, that's just incredible to me that he would go that long. But you know what? It's okay because it teaches us something. That Job got to the end of himself. Job got to the end of himself. You know, whenever you go through a trial, whenever you go through a long battle, the, most, the, the best thing to do is after you've asked God to search your heart is say, Jesus, I want to see you in every circumstance. I want to see what you're doing in every circumstance. Because, see, the problem is people start looking at the situation and they start rationalizing in their own mind as to what's going on, and they play right into the devil's plan. Instead of saying, Lord, your word says, fix my eyes upon you. So when I fix my eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of, our, of my faith, then I can give God glory in the midst of pain. And the bottom line is God saying, will you praise me in this pain? And will you praise me in this storm? When we can praise God in the storm, see, then therefore we see that we're not all, we're not about, well, Lord, everything has to be perfect. We're about, Lord, because you are perfect, I'm going to walk with you, giving you praise and glory, knowing that as you do that, you're going to take care of everything because his word says, I will take care of everything that concerns you today. I am taking care of it. He says, I am watching over my word to perform it. Is he not? He says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. And so how many of you guys know that scripture? I am watching over my word to perform it. He watches over it. 
And that word, which is Jesus is the living word that says, I've come to give you life, to give you life more abundantly. And I've, and I've also released the Holy Spirit so that you would walk in the fullness of joy. So that word, God says, I'm watching over that word to perform it. But if you're stuck in thinking God is this mean you know, real mean and just trying to, trying to do these things to, to steal, to take away and, and just punishing you and everything, then you're missing the heart of who God is. You're missing the fact that he will, he will, he'll tell us what we need to know. He'll say this in this area, you need to repent in this area. You're off. You're in pride. And our job is to say, Father, forgive me. You're right. Not trying to prove God wrong and not trying to have an attitude that says, well, I could never be wrong because, you know, that's what Job kept doing. God was sending people, now granted faulty as it may be, but God was still sending people to him that he wouldn't hear from. He couldn't hear from, right? Remember the three friends? He couldn't hear from, he couldn't hear what they had to say. And like I said, I'm not saying that even their delivery was 100% perfect, but at the same time, God will send people our way to hear the most important thing that you can ever do in any form of a trial in your life is make sure that your heart stays sensitive and it stays pliable before the Lord your God. Because when you know that his goodness is for you, when you know that his love is upon your life, when you know that his plan is good, he says, I have a perfect plan. Good and not evil, right? Not for calamity. What are the purposes of God in your life, right? He says it's for good, not for evil, not for calamity. So when you know, wow, Lord, your, your promises to me, which are yes and amen, are never going to change. So therefore, I'm going to stand. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and say, I'm going to praise you even through this storm because I know you're going to turn it around. I know you're going to turn it around. I know that you're going to show me whatever I need to know. I thank you for turning around every difficult situation, Father God. My heart is yours. So the bottom line is God is after your heart. Amen. Not even about the circumstance. He's after your heart. So yes, he allows the pain to get our attention. Your pain has a purpose. So God is after your heart, but the question is, are you after his? Are you after his heart? Because you are only as deep in your walk as your experience carries you. You're only as deep in your walk as your experience can carry you. Because then again, we go right back to the head knowledge versus really knowing God. Versus really knowing the heart of God. Hey, it was just even proven even up here. Many of you know God. But when we got to the, the depths of the emotions, your heart started to really speak, wasn't it? And it was speaking in tears for some of you, right? God is healing you. That's why. He is showing you, wow, I love you so much. All that you thought, all that you heard, and, and every you were, scripture was used to beat you up upside the head to tell you how wrong and how bad you were. But God is saying, that was not me. That's a word for somebody here tonight. That was not me. Because he's a good God. He's a loving father. So don't be deceived by people who can quote scripture but they have not lived it out. Job quoted scripture, people, but he was void of knowing the God from whom it really truly came from. So why do people run from pain? When pain, honestly, is a catalyst. It's a catalyst. You get injured, right? And something externally is, is showing up, but typically it's pointing to something deep within that is not evident, right? Typically. You get injured, and there's an, uh, there's an external 
like there's a sore, th a sore thumb, like literally sometimes, right? Something that's screaming for attention. But deep down inside, it reveals what's broken, what's, what's diseased, right? But it's something that's deep and it's hidden. So pain, people avoid pain like the plague. Oh, I don't want to, it's painful. I don't wanna. But you know what God is saying? Stop being so afraid of the pain and you let me carry you through it because I'm trying to take you to some place where you're so much deeper in me that you trust me with the depths of your pain and avoidance does not ca cause you to actually get victory, but facing it does. You got to face some things. And so we live in, a, especially Pentecostal churches, we believe, oh, you know, everything's good. And it is good. But you can't allow, if there is pain there, instead of ignoring or denying or acting as if it's not there, face it. Say, I'm going to face it. Because I'm not facing it by myself. I'm facing it with Jesus. And he has my best interest at heart. Right? So pain is a catalyst. It's an indicator of a bigger problem. Right? And so in the midst of pain, here's the key. When we draw near to God in the midst of pain, in, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of disappointment, this is pain, right? When you draw near to God, you discover something, church. You discover he's faithful. You discover he's consistent. You discover that, he's, that he never changes. You discover that, he, that his love never ends and he does not withhold his love from you. You discover the goodness of God when you press into the Lord in the midst of your pain. How many of you guys say, I'm going to do that more and more and more. I'm not going to allow the enemy to, I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy and just think that I'm never going to get over this. No, God says you're healed and whole. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established, so that light will shine upon your ways. You know that scripture is also in Job, Job 22, 28? And we love to quote that scripture, right? We love to quote that scripture, because there's truth to all of the word of God. There's truth. But it's one of our favorite scriptures, isn't it? Right? But what about the rest of the book? We're kind of doing a little survey of Job today because of our discussion on Thursday, and our discussion on Thursday was just the thankfulness. We, we're to be thankful, you know, for God and in everything that God brings us. But God does not bring us, you know, these catastrophes. They come from the devil. They come from our own doing. But we're going to thank God for what he does in and through them because he brings good out of everything, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And he says, I'm going to work everything out together for your good if you're called, if you're called, if you're, if you're his son or daughter, right? So... All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. And that's Romans 8 to 28. It's a scripture that everybody needs to have memorized. Because you know that no matter what you go through, God's promises never change. And he says that he's going, and you're, you are his. Are you his? You, you belong to Jesus in this room and listening to this, to this message? Well, if you belong to Jesus, the word says, and we know that he works all things together for good. For good, right? For those who love God, for those who are called according to his purposes. So he does not work everything together for good for anyone in the world. If you do not belong to, for those that do not belong to Christ, they have not made their commitment to Christ yet. He does not work everything together for good for them. People want to believe that and they say that scripture, but only for those that belong to Christ is he committed to keep his, his word. And he says, for those who love me. And we know the word says, if you love me, you will obey my 
commandments, right? If you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. So, so those who love God, he says, I'm going to work that thing together for good. You just need to keep your eyes on me. So you went through this horrible time. It was painful. E everybody does, right? Everybody does. But instead of being, you know, I, I know of people that try to avoid any kind of pain, but you can't avoid it. You're just denying it. And denial never brings any kind of truth. It just brings deception. You're called to walk in truth. The reason that people want to deny the pain and they, want, they don't want to go there is because they have a faulty understanding of the love of God. There's still fear. Fear has to do with punishment, has to do with torment. When you really know the love of God, that the love of God has been lavished upon you, and in Romans 5, 5, and in Romans 15, 3, it talks all about the love of God that has been lavished upon you, that has been poured upon you by the Holy Spirit. When you walk in the love of God, then see, you have no fear of what man can do. There's no fear anymore of what the world might be able to do because you're living in the love of God, and perfect love casts out Fear, perfect, perfect love, and only God's love is perfect. But see, when you start to get the right view of your heavenly father, you can walk in his perfect love. And right there, walking in the love of God brings healing to your, your body, brings healing to your soul. It brings healing to you completely. Because when you know how much you are loved, in spite of any pain that still may be there, you walk differently because you know it doesn't have a hold on you as it used to because something has replaced it, and that is the love of God. Right? The spirit of the living God now has shown you. You are call, you're walking up here. Even if there's a situation that brings pain to your heart, you're not going to deny it. You're just going to keep bringing it to Jesus. You're going to keep thanking Jesus for it. You're going to say, Lord, I thank you. But even in this pain, there's a purpose. Lord, I thank you. Even in this pain, there is a purpose. And no matter how long that pain may be there, no matter how long that trial may be, no matter how long I have to walk through this difficulty, Lord, my eyes will be upon you, and I will continue to give you my praise. I will continue continue to rejoice in the God of my salvation, no matter how long, no matter what. Right? Amen? So when in your trial you met the God who is love, your faith grows in him. In your trial. People want the easy way out, but there is no easy way out. If you want the depth of who you are in Christ and to walk in the depth of who you're called to be, then this is the road we all get to walk in. And so when your trial meets the God who is love, then your faith in him grows to what Job said. My ears have, have heard of you, but now my eyes see you. And your walk becomes deep. Don't we want a deep walk, church? Don't we want a deep walk, a steadfast walk in him, right? And so I don't, I don't fear, um, I, I don't fear like what might happen or, or is happening, even in our own personal lives or, of course, in the world, you know, uh, just culture. I'm not, I don't fear. Now I used to. I used to. You know, I would walk in so much fear and so much torment and, you know, and so I'm walking on eggshells all the time. But I, God has done such a work and I'm so grateful. And, and I, so therefore I'm speaking of something I know. I'm not speaking of something that's just a textbook knowledge. I'm not giving you something that someone else told me and it sounds pretty good. So now I'm just going to tell you, right? <laughs> you know, I don't do that. And so I'm telling you, there's no other way to live. I'm telling you, walking in the, the fullness of God's love, there is no other way to live. I love myself. Amen. And I'm not embarrassed, nor am I ashamed to say that. Amen. But there was a day I couldn't say that. Do you love yourself? Yeah. Say it over yourself. I love myself. 
I love myself. So if you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to be kind to this temple. You're going to be good to this temple that God has given you, that God lives in. He lives in you. His spirit lives in you. So you're going to actually take care of your temple. Because in taking care of your temple, you're being obedient to your maker, the one that you love. And God says, you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself because you need to love your neighbor as yourself. People go, well, I love my neighbor, but I just can't. I'm so much unforgiveness. Well, then you can't really love your neighbor. We're to love the Lord our God with everything within us, but we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So when you really learn to love yourself, then you can really walk with the love, of, with the love for the neighbor because you have something to give. You have something to give because you've received something, and you received it from him. And the whole, the whole thing of pain and, and, and heartache and difficulties and trials and this and that, you realize, you know what, it doesn't really matter. Because you know what? Let patience have its perfect work in you. Let patience have its work in, perfect work in you. You know, we become mature and complete, lacking nothing. We don't lack anything. You don't lack anything when you realize the love of God consumes me, just overwhelms me, just takes over. And it doesn't matter what difficulty may be in my life, what situation, what pain, what heartache, what, you know, son or daughter is not walking with God, you know, what difficulty that they're doing walking in and, and it brings pain to your heart. Of course it does. But even in the midst of that, you turn and say, oh, but Abba, but I'm going to choose to rejoice in the God of my salvation in the midst of the storm. I'm going to thank you, Lord God, for you truly are good no matter what and as you praise uh, victory comes victory comes when you lift your hands up the Lord showed it to me like this years ago and he says just lift your hands up he said Kathy when you lift your hands up and you worship what happened what have you formed and literally it's a V it's literally a V and this was in the midst of a very difficult trying time and I saw myself in the spirit and I saw myself just in the midst of <laughs> It was like uh, all gray and it was like death was just all around me. But then I, here I am standing amongst a, a bunch of dead bodies all around me. And he said, I says, Kathy, he says, lift your hands up and worship. And I'm looking around. I'm like, Lord, there's death all around me. He said, lift your, lift your hands up and worship. So I'm lifting up my hands and I'm worshiping and I'm worshiping. And then all of a sudden I see myself looking out. But I see what God says. He says, look at your arms. They formed a V and that's victory. Though so your praise brings you into victory. Our praise brings us into victory. But it, yeah, and you just do it right now, absolutely. I, you know, I never forgot. When God tells you something in the spirit like that and you see it, you never forget it. You never forget it. The things that God will speak to you in the midst of the, the hard time. You know, it's those hard times that have molded me and shaped me and caused me to become who I am. And the same with you. It's those difficult times that you have realized, oh, you thought you knew love, but now you really know the author of love. Which is the love of God. God is love. Right? God has love. So our purpose, your pain has a purpose, and your purpose is to glorify your master. I don't know, but to me, it's worth it just for that right there. It is worth it just for that right to glorify my master, to glorify my maker. I want my life to glorify him. Do you? We want our life to glorify him. So the Lord is waiting on your response. He's waiting on your response. And... He's saying, will you draw near to me in your deepest place of pain? James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-mindedness. Double-minded. Psalm 119, verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I love your law. It says, before I was afflicted. People are so 
worried and concerned. Well, there's going to be nothing wrong in my life. I believe in everything is, you know, prosperous and good and healing and wholeness. Absolutely, church. We believe in the fullness of God's truth. But the word says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I know God's law, his commandment. Now I love his commandments. Before you were afflicted, you went astray because you didn't yet know the love of a father.